Welcome to another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com as we kick back on as we usually do on Monday evenings and sit back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And boy, it's hard to believe, but the Cincinnati Reds right now are in the middle. Well, I shouldn't say I guess in the middle, but right in the midst of a six-game winning streak. And Mark Donahue, as we bring you in, our resident Reds expert from down south, did you ever think that we would have been discussing a six-game Cincinnati Reds winning streak this year? Absolutely, David. I thought it was coming any time. <laughs> You're a born liar. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, no, I don't think anybody could have uh, looked at this schedule uh, and uh, particularly because the, the Reds play normally so poorly in Los Angeles that they would go out there and take four from the Dodgers. And I'm for Reds fans everywhere, and being a Reds fan, I'm elated that, that it's actually, for the first time this year, I was looking forward to watching games late at night rather than you know just tuning in and seeing how bad they were going to get beat. To temper this a little bit, and I'm, I'm not trying to cast aspersions here, but the Dodgers are not a very good team right now. And I think the Reds have a chance against the Giants this week to capitalize on the fact that they're not a very good team right now. The Reds will not be facing Bumgarner. They're not going to be facing Johnny Cueto. And they're not going to be facing who was the right-hander who pitched yesterday? Samarja. Samarja. So I don't know who they have left in their rotation, but it's not going to be one, two, or three. And, you know, that's how streaks happen in baseball. You, you get a team that's playing well, and they go up a team that is, you know, not playing well, or their pitchers are hurt, or their number four hitter hasn't played, or whatever the, the reason is. And, and, and you can build some momentum based on taking advantage of the, uh, the infirmities or the frailties of the other team. So, you know, that happened to the Reds this weekend. But I, I, I'm sure you watch most of those games, if not all of them. Uh, the Dodgers, man, they got a lot of holes in that lineup. Yeah, they, they really do. And, and something that I think they – not only do they have to be a little uh, disconcerned about, but they, they've also got to do something about because these hitters – well, you know, for example, it's what we talked about with Aaron Judge. Uh, Cody Bellinger – the National League pitchers may have caught up with him. Yeah, I was I was noticing how the Reds pitchers, and he did hit a home run. He got a couple of hits, but nothing. He didn't hurt the Reds very badly at all. And they came up under his armpits. I mean, that's that's where the and he, he crowds the plate. And if he can get the bat head out in front, that's great. But what happens is he knows that they are trying to pound him inside, so he begins his bat movement more quickly because he knows he's got to get the bat around because that fastball coming on the inner half or even the slider coming in on the inner half or not maybe the inner third or inner quarter so what happens is you start anticipating that pitch and now they've got you on the outside corner and they were going in and out on him and he he looked very frustrated i think he struck out three times the first game and two or three times the second game i think uh, at least once or twice, I know he struck out in the second game. 
And he did hit a home run, but, uh, you know, he swings hard every time. And I think you're right. I think that's what happens. Uh, the, the guy is a, is a great young player, although I'm sure you've read that he was benched uh, by his manager for not hustling, and it's, it's happened more than once. So I don't know, you know, what is going on in his head, but he's certainly got a lot of physical talent. And But, but as you had mentioned, I think the league has figured him out somewhat. Well, the Reds have won six in a row, and that four-game sweep that they pulled off in L.A., Mark, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this is the first time that they have swept the Dodgers in a four-game series since 1976, the second of two world championships by the Reds. The Indians, on the other hand, they have won two of their last three, but they are down right now to Detroit, 3-1 to one in Detroit. The Reds come into this week with a record of 14-27, and 27, but they're only 10 games out of first place. It's hard to believe after the April that they had. And on top of that, Mark, they are 11-12 and 12 under Jim Riggleman. They have played some pretty good baseball under the new manager. Well, it's funny what's happening in the NL Central. You said they're only 10 games out of first place. They're only 10.5 games out of fifth, or fourth place because it's a virtual tie. The top four teams are virtually tied. Uh, in the National League Central, which, you know, that's great because, you know, 10 games out is a lot to be out, but it's only May. And I'm not saying the Reds have a chance at all to, to catch, uh, you know, to, to win that division. But when you're, when you're, when the rest of the league is playing just barely over 500, uh, you, you can sneak up on people. Now, when you start off as poorly as the Reds did, uh, you're going to have to play some astonishing baseball the rest of the way uh, to get back in the mix. But, you know, if they beat the Dodgers four games in Los Angeles, uh, they're certainly capable of, of winning a couple series. And that's two series in a row they've won. They beat the Mets two out of three before that. So, uh, you know, right now, despite the fact they're getting very little offense from their outfield, it's, it's amazing, amazing how badly that, that that quartet is hitting, and yet the Reds have won six in a row. Mark, Nick Crawl. Well, before we get into that, I want to let everybody know that we've got a guest coming up later on tonight from the University of Arizona. Their broadcast team, Jeff Lowry, will be our guest. He's going to check in here in about 15, 20 minutes, and we'll be talking with Jeff. He is uh, also a big Cincinnati Reds fan, so we'll be talking with him about a few things that are going on with the Reds. One of the big things this week, Mark, is that Nick Crawl has become the new general manager of the Reds. Dick Williams was the GM, and he's going to remain the president of baseball operations and oversee the baseball operations department. Crawl has been a part of the Reds organization now for 16 years, starting as director of the team's advanced scouting preparation. Now, that being said... The way that the Reds have scouted their minor league system and their trading situations over the last few years, Mark, I'm not sure that's such a ringing endorsement. <laughs> well, the, the problem, and, and I guess the advantage of trades and draft choices particularly, is that people have a tendency to forget where players came from over you know over three or four years, five years. And sometimes it takes that long for a trade uh, to actually come to fruition, when, when you see players actually develop out of trades, uh, typically when a team like the Reds made a trade, they're giving up 
really good talent to get talent nobody's ever heard about. So, you know, some of these trades are now looking pretty good. The guy that I've been impressed with over the last two weeks, three weeks, has been Peraza. Uh, he's playing a good shortstop. He, he's getting on base. He's a great bunner. <clears throat> and he, he's not hes not great defensively, but right now he's adequate defensively, if that makes any sense. Uh, he doesn't have as much range as some of the guys I've seen, and he doesn't have a real strong arm. But he's getting to the ball, and he's making the plays he ought to make. I think he's made three or four errors already this year. But uh, I, I've been very impressed with, uh, with the way he has – he has developed over the last couple of years. Well, here's something interesting that happened today. Seattle Mariners left-hander James Paxton, who threw a 99-pitch no-hitter last week, and Indian shortstop Francisco Lindor were named the American League Co-Players of the Week. That's the second week in a row that Lindor has won that honor. And Cincinnati Reds second baseman Scooter Jeanette was named the National League Player of the Week. So why did these two guys, or these three people, I should say, get named the Player of the Week? Well, we already told you what Paxton did. Lindor went on a massive tear again this past week. He smashed four homers and drove, scored eight runs, drove in five RBIs, and had five doubles. Meanwhile, Jeanette homered for the fourth time in as many days on Friday. He went four for five with two runs, three ribbies against the Dodgers, and it was the first time in his career that he homered in more than two consecutive games. In five games last week, Jeanette had 10 RBIs, seven runs, and two doubles. And what does Jeanette get tonight? Well, I'll tell you one thing. He got the night off. He's not Again? playing tonight. Yep, shoulder injury. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he, he had 591 during the week and uh, slugged 1277. That's... I did not hear. In fact, I just read earlier today that he was going to play tonight. I'm sorry to hear that, darn it. Well, that's uh, that's how it goes. He's when he's healthy, uh, he has been a remarkable pickup. Don't forget, this guy was designated for assignment by the Milwaukee Brewers last year at spring training, and the Reds picked him up. And I, I doubt, I can't remember a player having the kind of year that Jeanette had last year after being picked up off waivers. That is really an amazing year. Mark, Mark this year, go ahead, finish out. Well, this year, just to finish up on Jeanette, he's hitting three twenty nine. He's got 24, home run, or 24 RBI, 6 home runs, 10 doubles. Uh, his OPS is 888. He's slugging at 521. I mean, he has just been smashing the ball, and he had – even not even he had 298 last year, but what 27 home runs? I think at 90, 98 RBI, something like that. So again, a great pickup off the <clears throat> the junk pile. Anybody could have had him, <clears throat> and the Reds picked him up. Mark, you know I'm about as patient as patient can be. Oh uh, yeah. I'll, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, when it comes to the Indians and the things that they do, I don't jump off the deep end very often. But this team right now, they are 20 and 19. Now we're a quarter of the way through the regular season. We're at game number 40 hitting tonight. Uh, right now the Indians are in first place, they're, but they're just a game and a half ahead of Minnesota. Now, for the last seven or eight years, the Indians have always gotten off to a slow spa, uh, start under Terry Francona. I get that. But this ball club, Mark, you said it earlier this afternoon when we talked. 
This is a team that should be very thankful about the division they're in in the American League Central because it's a it's a division that just doesn't have another good baseball team in it. Kansas City's not ready to win. Detroit, they're in a major rebuilding process, even though they're leading tonight over the Indians 3-1. to one. Minnesota, they're probably the only other good baseball team, but even they have some liabilities. And the White Sox are probably three years away. Let's just be honest about that. But this team, the Indians team, has got major bullpen problems. They've got some major offensive problems. Right now, they're... Their bullpen is ranked 28th in Major League Baseball. Mark, just to give you an idea of what that means, that's 11 slots behind the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds are 17th in bullpen efficiency in Major League Baseball. The Indians so far this year have given up 66 runs out of the bullpen in 104 innings pitched. You're not going to win a playoff series You may win the division with that, and it's going to be a scuffle to win it, but you're not going to win a a playoff series pitching like that. Well, we were kidding around today uh, because uh, I don't know if you have the power you say you do, but you were ready to make me a trade deal for Rocio Iglesias. And I have come up with a better deal. Oh, because I turned down (laughs) the deal today. All right, here's my proposed trade. I am going to send, I, you and I have become the GMs of the Indians and the Reds, something that we have always aspired to be. All right, I'm going to send you today, just out of the kindness of my heart, Jason Kipnis, Ryan Merritt, the left-handed starter, Danny Salazar, and I will even throw into the mix Greg Allen and Zach McAllister. And I'll send them to you for Iglesias and Suarez. Are you on drugs? No. Now, exp- now explain to me why you would. I'll, I'll give you my reasons as to why the Reds should make this deal. Well, number one, uh, Suarez has a chance to be an all-star third baseman. They got him cheap for six years. He's going to be a fixture. He's a great de- de- defensive player. Why would I give him up? You are getting <laughs> two. Two starters, a lefty and a righty, that are both under 28. Yeah, that's right. But right now, the Reds have a, a, a backload of young starters. Now, are Who? they going to pan out? Who? Well, wait a minute. Look at their, you know, look at their starting rotation. Saro Mano, Hernandez. Uh, they got guys in the minors that I don't think are any better than what you're offering me. Oh, please, Mark. You've got two guys there that I'm giving you in Ryan Merritt and Danny Salazar that have each won playoff games. Yes, but the Reds aren't going to be in the playoffs. That doesn't. You, you've got two guys right now that you can build with Maley and and with Romano, a four-man pitching staff around, and with the offense that you've got, even giving up Suarez, you've got a team that can compete. You can move Jeanette to center field. You can move Allen to, to center field. You can move Jeanette or Kipnis to third base, whichever you'd want to do. And none of them are as good as what I have at Suarez already. I got Castillo, a young starter. He's an outstanding pitcher. I got Maley. I got Romano. I, I got Hernandez in the bullpen. I got Jared Hughes. I got Iglesias. And, and we haven't talked about Matt Harvey yet. So, and then I think the guy who, who is going to be the the stud of all of them is Amir Garrett. Uh, so I, I'm not looking right now unless somebody is 
demonstrably better than what I got. And I mean a front-line player. I'm sure so I'm not going to give up Suarez or give up Rosio Iglesias, who is arguably one of the top three relief pitchers in, in baseball today. Iglesias so now suddenly what you're saying, Mark, is the minor league system of the Cincinnati Reds is flushed with great possible starting pitching. No, I didn't say that. But they have they, they have a number of starting pitchers right now. And again, are you telling me that – oh, pick one of your starters that you want to give me. Merritt? Merritt or Salazar. Okay, okay, what has he done that makes you think he's going to be any better than Amir Garrett? He can't break into the starting rotation of the Indians. Mark, you tell me, when he has come out and pitched and was able to pitch a game, Mark, they they depended upon him two years ago to win a very important game four against Toronto in the American League Championship Series, and he did it. He shut down the Blue Jays. Dave, you're you're talking against yourself. No, I'm not. You're saying how good he this guy is. You also said earlier you have the worst bullpen in baseball. Correct. He's not okay. a bullpen pitcher. He's a starter. Well, why, why don't you trade him for a starter? Why do I want a starter? I mean, I, I'm sorry. Trade him for somebody who can go to the bullpen. I'm doing that. I'm trading him for Rossiel Iglesias. But you're not giving uh, – that's, that's a unfair trade. Why? You're taking, you're taking two all-star players off the Reds. Arguably – Outside of Votto, that they both that, that they have finished in last place with the last two years. Yes, that's true. But if you're going to build, you can't give away <laughs> your corner pieces. And as Suarez, to me, frankly, is not more valuable. Yeah, you know, I'm going to say it. I think he's more valuable than Iglesias because he, he's going to hold down third base for the next ten years if the Reds want him to. He's going to hit you 25, 30 home runs every year, and th- there's no way I'm going to trade him for the guys you're offering. Now, if you give me one of your front-line starters, that's different. But these guys are not front-line starters. They haven't made your rotation, for God's sake. No, Danny Salazar did. Why hasn't he this year? Because he has still got a sore arm. <laughs> Why would I want him? Why not? I mean, once he gets cleared up. That was, that was the one piece. That was the one piece. I mean, I'm, I'm open to suggestions. I'm throwing in Greg Allen and Zach McAllister because you're going to need an outfielder, and you're going to need somebody in the bullpen to take Iglesias' place. Well, Iglesias is a guy that's going to get me a front-line player. And I, I don't know of, a, of an infielder in the National League that I would want more than uh, at third base, and I would want more, well, Chris Bryant, I guess. <clears throat> but I, for the money, I'm not sure. If you look at the numbers, uh, Suarez's numbers last year were as good or better than uh, Bryant's. You know, I'm going to say well, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you on that fact. I'm not even sure I would take Chris Bryant over Suarez. Look at the fact I mean, that he, look at the last two years that, that at, at the way that Bryant has been injured. I know that's my point. Suarez is durable. He's he's gonna, he's a great team guy. He's he's a funny guy. I like him a lot. So I, I can't think of a position player. And I've always been hesitant to give up a very, very good position player for a very, very good pitcher, mainly because the pitcher's out there, you know, only five, every five days, and Suarez is out there every day playing. So that's, that, those are never trades I like to make, or I'd like to make. Uh, if I, if I pick up another position player, uh, I just don't, the other thing about Suarez, 
I, I heard the other day on one of the broadcasts that they are thinking about if uh, the kid comes up from AAA. Uh, Senzel? Senzel. That they may put uh, Suarez in left field, which that's that's pretty interesting. But Senzel has not proven to me he's ready yet either. I mean, this is this is a perfect example of what you're offering. Senzel is supposed to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Number two draft choice uh, was last, two years ago for the Reds. Number two overall in the draft, and he's hitting 271 with three home runs, and he's got uh, that dizziness disease. Vertigo. So, vertigo, and. These players, until they come up and prove themselves, all they are is suspects. And when I have two players like Suarez and Iglesias, I think I can do a whole lot better than what you're offering. You'd have to give me, if you're going to give me a minor league player, you're going to give me, I mean, just one of the top guys in baseball, you know, a top ten player. Oh, like what you got for Araldus Chapman? Well, well, that was a stupid trade. We all agree with that. (laughs) Obviously, it was a dumb trade. Yeah, you know, like what you got for Johnny Cueto? That's right. I'm not arguing with you. I mean, I, that that's the point. You know, I, I, these, these young players are not, you know. The, at least I'm I, giving you players that have been successful at the major league level and are still young. And you well, still have not, not, not etched the free agency market yet. Well, you're not giving anybody that changes my lineup. And, what I want, if I got a great starting pitching pitcher, that would be terrific. But what the Reds need right now, they've got a very, very weak outfield. And they've nobody – I mean, Winker has, does not have a home run this year. No, he doesn't. He's and only we, getting 250, I think. That's right. And what we're going to do right now is take a break. And when we come back, we are going to join ourselves with Jeff Lowry. We will be right back. Looking for a hometown bar and grill? There's only one spot. Crosley's Bar and Grill at 4901 Vine in St. Bernard. Crosley's is downstairs, but the food and atmosphere is on top. Great tasting burgers, scrumptious chicken wings, tasty chili, and some of the best beer selections in town. With plenty of televisions and friendly service, having a great time at Crosley's is a certainty. There's a separate room in the back available for your private parties. Check it out after the game. Crosley's is open Monday through Saturday from 11 to midnight. Like us on Facebook, Crosley's Bar and Grill at 4901 Vine Street in St. Bernard. And we're going to be going to Crosley's here in a few weeks. I think it's the end of next month, and what a great place that is, sports bar in St. Bernard. And we're going to be going down there. Mark and I will be doing the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show from down there. And I don't know the exact date, but it's sometime at the end of June. Bringing in now, we've got an opportunity to go all the way out west and head to Arizona and speak to a good friend of ours, Jeff Lowry. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good. How are you guys doing? I'm missing Ohio all of a sudden. Why? <laughs> Why? You're out there in the land of sun, sun devils. Yeah, it's 105 degrees, too. So. By the way, has Herb, has, has Herb uh, uh, found out what, what his uh, mascot is at Arizona State yet? At Arizona State? The yeah. The sun devils? Yeah, the sun devils. Remember the... What what is the name of that football coach that just took over for Arizona State? Now now this case, Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards took over for Arizona State the football program and and didn't know what their mascot was. 
And nor does he approve of the mascot. So, <laughs> or the logo. I'm sorry, it's the logo he does not approve of. That's but. right. So, Jeff, let's talk a little bit. Uh, Nick Crawl has been named the new GM of the Cincinnati Reds. Tell me, does it, is it going to make a difference? Well, you've got a mindset with this organization that just hasn't worked. Um, you know, this team's uh, looking at maybe a 100-loss season this year. And so, I, you know, I said the same thing when Price was fired. Uh, is this going to help? So far it has. I mean, Redelman's done a nice job with this team, and maybe that's what they needed, and maybe they just need a different mindset up there in the in the top spot. Hey, Jeff, I don't know if you've been watching the games of late, uh, but not even, I guess, discounting somewhat the six-game winning streak. But what I've noticed about this team is uh, playing small ball a little better. Uh, yesterday, the sacrifice bunt, uh, the squeeze play, uh, and that they've been stealing more. They're more aggressive on the base pass. Uh, have you noticed the difference in the way he managed a game compared to Brian Price? Well, I actually I have not been able to watch a lot of the games. I I listen to them with the at bat uh, application, but no, I, I really I, I think it goes probably beyond maybe for a lack of a better term X's and O's. I think this is a guy that's an older guy. Uh, he's been in the major leagues for a long time, even though he is just now getting back into the major leagues. Um, and I really think, I think a lot of it is just, I think this guy brings a little more discipline. And I think this team needs a lot of discipline. That's a good point. I mean, I've heard, uh, I know a couple guys down there I was talking to who kind of know the inside scoop. And I, I guess he got in, in people's faces uh, after a couple events down there where he didn't think guys were, were hustling and playing as hard as they should play. And, and the thing I liked about what he's been doing, he's setting guys down. And, and Adam Duvall is an example. Uh, he pinch hit for Duvall twice, and Duvall didn't like it. And one of the writers asked him a question about it, and he says, well, if a guy's hitting 171, he ought to be looking over his shoulder at me a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, that, that'll get the clubhouse's attention when the manager comes out and says something like that. He loves Adam Duvall, but if you don't perform, you're not going to hit. Well, and the slow. This is another slow starting Cincinnati Reds offense. I know at the end of the year they'll they'll probably be up there in home runs. Even though right now I think they're sitting 23rd in Major League Baseball, but um, you you got you got to play much better in April. And I just wonder if this team is ready. You know, coming out of spring training, and apparently they haven't been over the last couple of years. But if you don't have if you don't have quality pitching, and I'm not talking about the bullpen so much, but this starting rotation has a chance, I think, to be one of the worst that we, the three of us, will see in our lifetime. Huh? Even yeah, though they're playing better lately, this team, I mean, their their starters ERA is 5.07 right now. And yeah, you, and you think that uh, you, you think Homer Bailey's going to get any better as the season goes along? I mean. You know, yeah, that, that's exactly what I saw. And the, the interesting thing is, over the last six—no, actually, I guess the last six games, yeah—their uh, ERA was 141, and they're still way over five in terms of yeah. ERA. So you're right in terms of what the, they were. 
Now, you, you hope that they you know, can turn it around, but what bothers me is I don't see for the next three or four years, unless Hunter Green makes it to the big leagues very, very quickly, I don't see any solutions down in the minor leagues. You know, you guys alluded to that, I think, either last week or the week before. And without, you know, to me, I think baseball, just like I think football and basketball have become, has become a young man's game. And if you don't have young talent, you look at the Houston Astros. Now, they took their, they took it, they took it, you know, for years. Uh, this, and you look at that team, 100 wins last year. They got one of the best records this year. And it's a young team. And a lot of those young guys have, have, have come into their own. Uh, George Springer on down the line. Um, I think that is the way you're going to have to build it because the guy, it seems like the guys start getting into their early 30s and their game is falling apart. I just think it's a young, I think it's become a young man's game. Maybe not a rookie's game, but a young major league player. I think we'll take you very far. Well, that's interesting that you bring that up, Jeff, because another reason may be the fact of free agency. Once they hit that that free agent market, these young players can go someplace and and make a ton of money, and it breaks up the teams that you've already put together. Like, you know, for example, the Indians were one of the first ones that did that, that put together a young team. But free agency pulled it apart. You've got Houston that – Within the next two or three years, that may happen too. The Cubs are going to see that happen over the next few years, also. Absolutely, yeah. A question, Jeff: Are you surprised about the success of the Arizona Diamondbacks this year? No, because I I thought two years ago uh, when they were led by Chip Hale as their manager, I thought they were a playoff team that year. And I think on the very first play of the season or the first game, they lose their center fielder, A.J. Pollock, and they went downhill. Granke wasn't as good as he was the year before, which he had a 161 ERA. I don't think he was ever going to do that again. But, uh, you know, it just fell apart. They bring in the new manager, uh, Tori Lavallo, who I actually caught a foul ball in a spring training game back in the 90s. In, Indians, right to me. In, former Indians minor league manager, by the way. And a former, yes. So he's done a wonderful job. I always thought he would be a good manager. Yes. And they've got the talent, and they're doing it without Paul Goldschmidt. having. He's having a terrible year. So uh, he, if he gets hot, they could run away with this division. The Dodgers are banged up. You've got mediocrity in San Diego and San Francisco. Uh, you got to be careful of the Rockies. They always play the Diamondbacks well. Jeff, uh, you know, getting back to the Reds, Mark brought up the fact that Peraza has been playing a little better uh, at shortstop, or at least hitting the ball a little bit better. Uh, how do you feel about his, his defensive side? Do you think the Reds need to go out and find themselves a better defensive shortstop? Absolutely, because I think if they could... And you and I were talking about this last week with maybe letting Cozart go. I thought Cozart, especially for the $13 million that the uh, Angels signed you for, I mean, to solidify the most important position on the field outside of the pitcher's mound for $13 million and a shortstop that can hit, drive in some runs and hit 25 home runs, I mean, that's a no-brainer. I think they made a big mistake letting him go. He's not having a great year. 
I think they made a big mistake letting him go because at least he solidifies that infield. That's a pretty good infield if you got Cozart in there with Jeanette and obviously Joey Votto and uh, A. Eugenio. So um, that would be a great one. And then uh, who were we talking about? <laughs> What's his name, the shortstop? Peralta. Peralta. Uh, now you've now you've deepened your bench. So uh, yeah, I just think the Reds. I don't know who they're going to get, but um, you know, you have to have if you're going to contend. If you're going to if you want to be a championship team, which I don't think the ownership of this organization is that has not been the top of their list for many years. Um, you have to be strong up the middle. I'm old fashioned. I'm old school on that. I think you got you better have a go getter in center field, and you better have a guy at shortstop. Second base, you can get away with, but not shortstop. You, you can't have a fake uh, out there, and this team needs one. By the way, for people who don't know, uh, Jeff has been broadcasting uh, the men's senior baseball league World Series championship games out in Arizona for how many years, Jeff? Uh, we started in uh, 1998. Wow, I thought you you were you were a young guy. Uh, <laughs> well, I used to be. <laughs> no, Jeff does a great job, and you can catch some of his games. And I, I went back, Jeff, and I I think about two weeks ago I looked at uh, the game between Oil Can Boyd and Roger Clemens that mm-hmm. uh, you telecast and broadcast. I think you did it all yourself that that day. But give us give us a little history on that. How did that come together? Well, Roger Clemens told me that, uh, you know, we're good friends now, um, <laughs> that about three weeks before the tournament, a group out of Houston where he resides, uh, MSBL Men's Senior Baseball League, uh, invited him to come out. And, you know, even though he's been retired for quite some time, I think 2007, he still pitches, throwing batting practice, his son's a, a baseball player. I'm not sure at what level. So he said, what the heck? So the league kind of built that game up. Oil Can Boyd was playing for a team out of Boston uh, called the Wolf Pack. So we had Houston and Boston, Clemens against Oil Can Boyd, Tepe Diablo Stadium. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. I think Roger Clemens gets a bad rap because of some of the things that have happened throughout his career. Uh, he was as ingratiating of a guy as you could possibly imagine. He was, uh, in fact, he came up to me and says, are you ready for the interview? I said, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and definitely one of the top right-handed power pitchers ever, uh, irregardless if there is steroids or not. And I still think, I still think he and Barry probably should be, Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame, even though, I think what they did prior to the alleged steroid use, I still think those two guys probably should be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, so if you, you know, think if you think those two guys should be in the Hall of Fame, I'll throw you a curveball here. Do you think Pete should be in the Hall of Fame then too? Oh gosh, you're gonna put oh you're gonna put me on the spot. Um, you know, growing up, I grew up in Greenville, Ohio, which is uh, probably 90 minutes or so north of Cincinnati. I mean, uh, you know, I ate, slept, drank. Pete Rose was my favorite player. Pete Rose, Don Gullett, that whole big red machine was such a, such a big part of my childhood. 
I mean, I would say I love Pete Rose. But I think what Pete did, I I don't think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't I think the ceremony would be very awkward. And I mean, I will still watch YouTube videos of old Pete Rose footage. Love the guy, but I think he really, really betrayed the Cincinnati Reds and his fan base. Okay, then I'm going to ask both of you guys this question. That being said, and what Pete did, how do you think the Supreme Court ruling earlier today, making it all right for all states to legalize sports betting across the country, influences that act? It doesn't. It doesn't at all. That, that, that's a completely different level of, of betting, and, and baseball's rules, um, not that they overshadow the Supreme Court, but I, I think what Jeff brings up is the fact that it wasn't just the act by Pete Rose, and, and believe me, I was probably as big a fan of Pete as you are, Jeff, but yeah. it was the lying afterwards. The, if he had come out right then and said, you know what, I screwed up, God, am I sorry, I'll never do it again. Five, ten years would have passed, and he would have been forgiven, and he'd, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. It's the arrogance of the continual lying that did it, for me anyway. And then, of course, the, the other stuff with these young girls and everything like that. I mean, Jeff's right. I mean, can you imagine a Hall of Fame ceremony with Pete Rose being inducted? It, it just doesn't pass the smell test anymore. Well, I agree. I agree with both of you guys that he's not going to get into the Hall of Fame, but... Had Giamatti not died, he'd be in the Hall of Fame today. Well, if he had not lied, he'd be in the Hall of Fame today, too. No, uh, that, that's possible, but there would have been no lying. Had Giamatti not died, uh, I think Giamatti would have reinstated him within two years, and, and it, it would have been over and done with. You're probably right. Well, you know, Dave and Mark, I, one last thing on Pete. Uh, if he had bet on National League games, if he had bet on American League games, I would – tell you i would answer that question completely different even though that was still a huge huge no-no i mean you know it's posted in every locker room no betting but to bet on your own team and we don't know if he bet against his own team knowing ted power had a sore arm or what have you at the time and he still started him um i think betting on your own team i i just you know what? You you lost you lost it. You should just. And I think he's done well uh, moving on. But I think that that alone, betting on your own team, it's just you just you can't do that. Jeff Lowry, our That's guest, our, first floor. our guest here tonight. Jeff, I want to get back to what you had said a few moments ago about the Reds ownership. Do you do you think that this Reds ownership? Uh, has not put a priority on winning over the last couple of years? You know, I think based on the on the position players that this team has put out the last couple of years and some of the numbers they've been putting up, I mean, with Joey Votto being one of the top hitters in the league, uh, Scooter Jeanette's come into his own. He had a great year last year, hit four home runs in one game. Uh, you got Duvall. Uh, you've got all, you've got a pretty good lineup here. And yet this team has not went out. And at least, I think Mark, you even said this. I think you even said this maybe earlier this year or last year. Why don't you go out and get a couple of number three or four starters? 
keep a Cozart. I mean, can you imagine if you had a guy, if you had two starters in there that to give you some innings, 175, 80 innings apiece, and a 350, 380 earned run average, I mean, this team would be contending. And Cozart at shortstop. Well, I think they would. I, I think you're right. And, and I, I think there's another part of this, too. And it starts about five or six years ago when the Reds decided that they were going to make a Rolvis Chapman a, a bullpen guy, a closer. Can you imagine a, a rotation that would have had Chapman, Cueto, and Iglesias in it as your top mm-hmm. three guys? And that this team would have won with those three. And whoever you have in number four or five, not that it doesn't matter, but you could have kept Mike Leake. I mean, they, they could have put together a tremendous starting rotation. These were, these were organizational decisions that are still haunting this team. Iglesias was groomed to be a starter. He was a starter his entire minor league career. And Chapman was too. And they decided to put these guys in the bullpen. But can you imagine a top three? They had all three of these guys. Mm-hmm. And they, they turned the Chap, or Quaid was the only guy that, you know, became a, a starter. But the Reds had these arms and they gave them away in terms of you know, Chapman being a bullpen guy in, in 14 and 15 for the Reds didn't make any sense because they were a last place team. But he could have been a starter, and, and he could have been a part of that rotation for, for a number of years. Well, how exciting was it, Dave, uh, Mark, when when the, the Cuban missile came in to the ball game? I mean, I don't know about you, but if, if I the rare times that we get Reds games out here or if they're on MLB Network, I stop what I'm doing. I mean, to watch a human being throw a ball 102 miles an hour, there is something about it. I would have paid. I would have paid him the seventeen, eighteen million that the Yankees gave him. I would have kept him here. You I, can build a bullpen around a guy like that. I certainly yeah. enjoyed it when he was with the Cubs and came in in the eighth inning of Game Seven to face Rajay Davis. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great moments in World Series history. Oh my! How did you feel about the Matt Harvey pickup by the Reds, Jeff? You know, I, I really like this because I feel that uh, this is a guy that could quite possibly be lightning in a bottle. And the way he pitched Friday night, I know it was only four innings, pretty much a no-hit. Uh, Shevler misplayed the fly ball and right. Um, I think you've got to feel very optimistic at what Matt Harvey can do for this organization. Plus, this is a guy who needed to get out of Gotham. Yeah. I mean – he had over, overstayed his welcome. I think it's a great move. Uh, they lose Devin Mazzarocco, a 233 career hitter who never really lived up to his expectations. And you might have a guy and give you 20 more starts this year and, um, help solidify. You got, this team needs to get to the 500 mark. And then when we start talking about, uh, the future, <laughs> but, uh, I think hard, I think it's a great deal. Yeah, I do too. And I was telling, Dave, you may have heard it earlier, <clears throat> that even if Harvey only gets six or seven, eight starts between now and the trading deadline, if he does well, uh, even if he doesn't sign with the Reds, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, obviously. They could get something for him. If he goes out there and he goes six and two or seven and one or, and has a, you know, two eight ERA, somebody's mm-hmm. going to be very interested and they might give up a, quite a bit for Matt Harvey if he's healthy. 
That could be. Uh, that's that's a distinct possibility. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I you know I forgot to look up his salary, but um, yeah, this is a guy. I mean, if he stays healthy, I mean, you saw what he did in 2015 with the Mets and their World Series run. I mean, he was lights out. So, Jeff, I, I know you're a, in the you're you're a friend of the show, and you know every once in a while I come up with a trivia question to try to stump Mark on. So while you're while, while you're here, I figured I would throw this trivia question out to the both of you and see if I could stump both of you. So are are you ready? We're ready. I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. What duo in Major League Baseball right now, currently, as of let's see, nine forty four Eastern Daylight Time on Monday night, May fourteenth, what duo has hit the most home runs combined in Major League Baseball so far this year. Well, I'm going to take a stab at it. Okay. I, I don't know for sure. Could it be the uh, Otani Trout? Okay, that's your guess? That's my. That'd be my guess. Okay. Possibly Boston, but yeah. I'll okay. go with those two. Okay. Mark? Let me see. Um, He's scrambling to look it up on the computer. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm trying to think <laughs> who would be. I hear the clicking. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, for, I know the, the Milwaukee Brewers. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'll tell you what, Jeff. We're being suckered. We're being suckered. <laughs> this has to be a duo in the Cleveland Indians. So I'm going to say it's Encarnacion and uh, Lindor. You know, I knew he was typing in his computer. I swear to God, I'm not at my computer. Uh, the mo- I'm, I'm, t- uh, okay. I'm not at my computer. Okay, first of all, you are half right. Okay. It is not Stanton and Judge with the New York Yankees, which many people would no. have thought is the case. No, I knew it wasn't yeah. them. Yeah, it's not them. You're not going to believe who the two is for the Indians. You got half of it right. It's Francisco Lindor. And Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez. Yeah, they they've got 25 home runs combined wow. this season. Wow. What, Two, what's Encarnacion have? He's got ten. He, he's got ten. Jeez. Yeah. So he's in 203. Yep, but he still has. He still is up. Still is close to leading the team in RBIs. So, yeah. See, Jeff. After all these years of working with this guy, I I always know <laughs> whatever question he asks has something to do with the Cleveland Indians. So when I was thinking about the Milwaukee Brewers, I said, no, no, no. It's got to be the Indians. Jeff, what are your broadcasting plans this summer? Tell us a little bit about what that is before we let you go. Well, actually, uh, the summer's because of the heat. I really uh, I try not to get out there much. So um, we'll be going back to Oakland for the uh, Men's Senior Baseball League. Redwood Empire Baseball League's a day at the Coliseum, the Oakland Coliseum. So we'll be doing three games there, and then uh, high school football and college football will be starting up in August. So, um, yeah, but are you going to be June and July? Are you going to be doing the MSBL games this fall? Absolutely, yes. Yep. And we're going to try to do some live games. So uh, if you guys are out, uh, I'm hoping that uh, we'll uh, get a microphone for you and. Well, good. Uh, who, who do you do yeah. as far as college football? Uh, well, I, I do a lot of work with the uh, junior colleges out here. There are four 
junior colleges in the Phoenix metro area. Unfortunately, this is supposedly the last year uh, they're going to cut the football programs out here. So, mm. um, but, but you know, uh, Ottawa University is in Phoenix, and you never know what might happen out there. We're we're trying to we're negotiating with them, and uh, um, lacrosse has been really big for for me. Uh, I probably do more lacrosse than anything else. So, um, you know, that's way outside my uh, comfort zone. But after you learn the game, it's a, it's a very it's a very exciting game. So it's a lot of fun. Well, the summer's going to zip by pretty fast. Football's going to be here soon. Well, I I don't know how much time we have, but you know, I thought this little six game win streak by the Reds pretty impressive. First time they went in and swept the four game series at. Chavez Ravine, and I believe Pat Zachary was a rookie in 1976, and he beat the Dodgers five out of five times that year. You know, I remember that year, and it's amazing you guys bring that up. For some reason, that 76 year, obviously because of the World Series championship, I remember vividly, and Pat Zachary was rookie of the year that year, and everybody thought he was going to have a great career, and he owned the Dodgers that year, and I think the four games the Reds swept against L.A. was in April, actually, and mm-hmm. got them off to a great start. And, uh, you know, we were talking before you got on, Jeff, that the Reds, with the horrific start they have, and it sounds silly to say, but they're only ten games out of first place and only ten and a, game, ten and a half games out of fourth place because <laughs> the, the National League Central, everybody is so competitive that they're beating each other. Now, you know, and, and that... Well, I was going to say, and I told Dave this the other night on the, uh, the other day on the phone. None of those, either of those four teams—Chicago, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Milwaukee—are going to play 59% baseball. You know, so if the Reds can, if they can get back to 500, you know, because we're looking, we're looking just to be competitive. I think this year. So. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, I want a, a little tidbit of information. Do you guys recall back in '76? If you remember, in 74, the Dodgers came up with that rookie infield with Say, Russell, Lopes, and Garvey, and they ended up winning the National League and then got beat by Oakland in the World Series. Then the Reds came back in 75 and 76. If you recall, in 77, there was a lot of talk in the offseason about breaking up that infield that the Dodgers were so famous for because they didn't think that they were going to overtake the Reds. Do you remember that? Sure. Sure. The, the Reds had a terrible year in 77. Yeah. Uh, and they came back and had a decent year in 78 and won it again in 79. At least they won the division. But, the Do- you know, the Dodgers, th- th- that was a great team. <laughs> that was a great team. And so was Pittsburgh. And both mm-hmm. those teams were overshadowed by the Reds. But uh, they were outstanding clubs. You look at their rosters, there's a lot of Hall of Famers on those two teams. Yeah. What what was more, in you guys' opinion, and this will be the last question, we'll let Jeff go, what was more destructive to the Reds organization back in the 70s? Was it the trade of Tony Perez or allowing Sparky and Pete to go? Oh, I think it was Tony Perez. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, Jeff, you might disagree, but uh, I, I was just, just really disgusted with that trade and who they got for that. <laughs> they got Woody Freeman, you know. And Dale Murray. <laughs> yeah, Dale Murray. I think he had an ERA of nine or something that year. 
And uh, but Tony held that team together. Although you, you think back at the time, you know, everybody thought Danny Dreesen was going to be the next Tony Perez, and he just never was. Uh, but uh, that, that, in my opinion, that was a, a horrific trade for the Reds. How, yeah, you... you know, well, I was going to say Dan Dreesen was one of the best defensive first basemen in, in his day. Too bad Keith Hernandez was in the same league. He would have won a couple of gold gloves. Yeah, I well, thought he was tremendous. Uh, and he had 91 RBIs the year after they, they traded Tony. But, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, Tony was aging and, uh, it would have been nice if uh, we could have kept him. And, you know, I hated to see him. And probably my favorite player of all time is Don Gullett, without oh, a doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cincinnati University, uh, Bearcat. And he, um, yeah, when those two guys left, I, I, I was really I was really ticked off, <laughs> to be honest yeah, with you, as an 11-year-old kid. That was one of the big free agent signings back in that year, Don Gullett going to the Yankees. Uh, and he he was Don Gullett, man. He, he could throw. I, I went to a, tr- uh, a training or a tryout camp with him. He came up from Lynn, Kentucky, and everybody was talking about this left-hander. And they wouldn't let him throw real hard because he'd come in and throw BP. But he, he, he I think he was like <laughs> sixteen or seventeen, and he, you know he, he looked like a man. He, he he was he was throwing very hard, and it didn't surprise me when he made it. But uh, when the Reds they didn't have the money to sign him. The Yankees did, so uh, that was that, that was a, a big loss as well. Jeff, I appreciate yeah, I you was. appreciate you joining us here tonight, and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your evening out there in Arizona, where where things are nice and warm. It was seventy seven degrees and sunshine here in Cincinnati today. Well, uh, gentlemen, thank you. I you know I listened to your show. I listened to the entire thing because you you know you bring up the topics. That I think true Cincinnati and Cleveland fans want to hear about. So um, thank you for allowing me to be a part of it, and I hope to see you guys soon. Oh, we'll have you on down the road. We'll see you in the fall, Jeff. All right. Okay, take care. Take care. Jeff Lowry, our guest here this evening on the show, as we head back and talk more with Mark about the Reds and the Indians. Mark, I want to, just for the last few minutes that we've got here, I want to talk a little bit about the Indians. When you've got a bullpen problem, like they do, what do you do to try to rectify it if you don't want to make a trade? Well, I think that the, you may be, uh, or not you, but I think Indian fans may be overreacting a little bit. Uh, bullpen ERA numbers can be skewed with just two or three bad outings. The numbers get crazy. Uh, you're still solid at the back of the bullpen. The, the problem I think you've been having, at least what I've seen, is getting from the sixth inning to the ninth inning or eighth inning, uh, that middle relief, and, and those numbers can skyrocket. You know, a guy comes in, pitches a third of an inning, gives up five runs, and everybody's ERA jumps up. So I think it's a little early to get too overwrought with that. Uh, your back end of the bullpen is very solid. Uh, those guys are going to be ready to go playoff time. And you have the advantage of being in a division that you're going to win. It, it's, it would be a major, colossal upset if the Indians don't win that division. Will they get a wild card? I doubt it, because it looks like their record's not going to be that good. But they should win that division. So you have plenty of time. Don't panic. Wait to see what happens in July, and then go out and get what you need. Could the 
the the loss of Mickey Calloway uh, be a reason for this, the pitching coach that has now become the manager of the New York Mets? Well, pitching is all about theory, and it could. Uh, everybody has a different uh, you know way to pitch. The, the the physical aspect of pitching is pretty synonymous around baseball. You have pitchers, starting pitchers, throw between 93 and 96 miles an hour. They have good sliders, uh, and, and you know they have endurance, they have strength, they have all these things. Uh, it really is, what do you do with the ball? Where do you place it? Why do you place it there? It is theory, and people maybe underestimate the impact that a theory like your pitching coach had last year has on a has on a team. So, uh, yeah, I think that could be part of it, but it's also you know you <laughs> a pitching coach is there to coach. He can't order you to do anything you don't want to do. Uh, so you, you, you're kind of given different exposures of, of people's philosophies, and uh, you, you got to pick one that works for you. And as far as our guest Jeff Lowry, I thought he. He made an interesting point. I don't know if it's possible, but if there's any way that the Reds could get back to 500 by, let's say, August 1st, uh, depending upon what the rest of the division has done, and it looks like the top four teams, the Cubs, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Milwaukee, are going to beat the crap out of each other all year long. You know, if the Reds could get back to that 500 mark, they may find themselves in a position where they could finish anywhere from maybe even third. Well, that, that's a big, it's a big order. But I think what you're looking for the rest of this year is improvement. And one good thing about being out of the race, your players relax, and they can go up there and just have some fun and play some baseball. They're, they're not worried about you know making the playoffs, because a lot of times you'll see a team like the Reds. They get up to a bad start. They're playing great. And then, you know, September comes around, and there are only two games out of first place. Oh, my God, we're not used to this. And <laughs> you see them fall apart because, you know, they've, they've not been thinking about contending all year. But I, I think it's a tall order to think the Reds could finish anything other than last place. But uh, there's a lot of time left. Uh, we're only 25% of the season is done. There's 75% left. Uh, a lot can happen. Uh, and uh, we'll see what happens. But the Reds could be pivotal, pivotal in terms of being able to make a trade at the deadline that could help a team like the Indians with Iglesias or maybe some other players they might be able to trade for, for young prospects. But uh, right now, it's exciting to watch the Reds play. Well, and tonight they've got San Francisco. And like you said, they are not going to face any of the Giants' uh, good pitchers. They're just not here this evening or this week, as they've got tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday afternoon in San Francisco. Mark, that four-game sweep has already clinched a winning record on this West Coast trip, so that's pretty good. But they could come. This house of cards could all come tumbling down this weekend when the Cubs come to town. Well, that's true, and, and that's why I was saying that you know you. This is the chance. I mean, if. If there's any hope at all that the Reds can get back into some kind of contention, uh, or at least a, a smell the playoffs, or smell being in, involved in, you know, some decent baseball in September, it starts next weekend against the Cubs. They got four games with the Cubs, a doubleheader on Friday night or Saturday night, uh, day night doubleheader, and it, it's pretty interesting that if they were to win three or four or sweep 
understand that. And, you know, it, it, they have to do some crazy things because uh, they, they got up to such a horrific, horrific uh, start. So we'll see what happens. You know, it's like I told you last year when the Indians were in the midst of that 22-game winning streak. I wanted to see what they would do after they lose. Because if you yeah. win if you win seven or eight in a row and then lose five or six, all of a sudden those seven games are just down to two, and it's not as impressive as it was. So if you can stop a losing streak at one or two and then go on another winning streak of three or four, that's how you really make up a lot of ground. Hey, Jeff, before we get off, I, I want to thank – Jeff Lowry for coming on, and uh, you know when you hear somebody as good as Jeff uh, doing these games, uh, the people who listen to him out in Arizona, uh, he's a very very good announcer. And uh, I was just thinking about Jeff the other day, listening to some uh, other teams. I forget what team I was listening to. They're, they're play by play, but they were terrible. Jeff is so much better than these guys, and you know you hope that some a guy like Jeff might be picked up sometime by you know a minor league team or even a major league team because he certainly has the skill sets to go out there and do outstanding play-by-play. So that's going to do it for us tonight. The Indians, are, of course, they're playing in Detroit this evening. They've got the Tigers uh, tomorrow night and Wednesday afternoon, then Thursday off, and then they have got a big series coming up this weekend with Houston. Matter of fact, next week, Mark, the Indians have got a tough schedule. They're facing the last two World Series champions, the Cubs, in Chicago next week, and then Houston at home, they wow. bring the Astros in. So Whoa. it's going to be a big, big week in Cleveland next week. So that get your attention. Yeah. We'll talk to you about it next week, okay? Have a good one. All right. That's going to do it for us here this evening. Thanks for joining us here tonight on Ultimate Sports Talks, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Our thanks to Jeff Lowry out in Arizona for joining us here this evening, being our guest. We'll be back again next Monday night at 9 o'clock, so be sure to join us then. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Thanks for joining us this evening. We'll see you again next week. Have a good night, everybody.